Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and I am a Bitcoin Boomer. I guess I'm 67. I don't guess. I know I'm 67. So that makes me a boomer for sure. And I'm interested in Bitcoin. So that makes me a Bitcoin boomer. Now, the thing is, you don't have to be a boomer or a Bitcoin boomer or Bitcoiner to find this show interesting. This show is built for anyone, whether you're 78 or whether you're 16. Anyone who is interested in learning about Bitcoin this is probably the show for you. Now, what I do is I bring on guests who know way more than I do about Bitcoin, and that's easy to believe. But I bring on people from the mining industry in Bitcoin, from the investment industry in Bitcoin, from the news industry in Bitcoin, but basically people can help educate you about Bitcoin. Now, you're probably not gonna become the expert in the world about Bitcoin from watching this show, but you probably will gain enough knowledge about Bitcoin that if you overhear someone talking about Bitcoin or someone asks you a question about Bitcoin, you will know the basic facts and the basic information and can answer a question or get involved with a conversation. Our goal here is to teach you about Bitcoin. Now, let me get one thing straight. I don't have any Bitcoin to sell you. I'm not selling Bitcoin. What I'm doing is giving away information because I believe Bitcoin is a technology of the future and it's going to change the world financially as we know it today. It's going to change everything before it's over. And I want you to know a piece of that information and to be able to get involved with it. Now, today we have on our show a good friend of mine named Muzz. That's right. That's what I call him is Muzz. His real name is Mike Jamires, and I know I pronounced that wrong, and he will correct it. But Mike is the uh, founder of Lightning Ventures, an investment firm that helps people invest in Bitcoin and Lightning companies. And he also helps run the unconfiscatable Bitcoin conference in Vegas every year. So we're going to be back in a few minutes with Muzz and find out about investing in Bitcoin companies. We've been talking about investing in Bitcoin till now. Now we're going to talk about investing in Bitcoin companies. And these are companies that are using the Bitcoin protocol. This is a great way to get involved with Bitcoin companies. So we'll be right back with Muzz after this word from our sponsor. Okay, guys, this is Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer and you need to come here. If you want to find out what Bitcoin is, if you want to just meet some great people and have a great time, come to BitBlockBoom. But there's one thing, you have to be a Bitcoiner. We don't allow shitcoiners. Last week in August, every year, moving to Austin. Yeah, I love coming to BitBlockBoom because it's like it's like Mecca for Bitcoiners. Like Everybody here is like part of the hardcore like inner sanctum. Um, you just have these conversations with everybody where like you can see it in their eyes that they believe the same things that you believe. You come to Bitblock Boom once, you're going to come every year. Speakers are great, the networking is great, because you know, that's really what it's about when you're uh, a Bitcoiner, especially when you're a new Bitcoiner, is you want to network with as many Bitcoiners as you can, learn, 
because there's so much information, not only about Bitcoin, but about money in general. Hey, so I'm down here at BitBlock Boom, and what energy, what a lot of fun. It's all Bitcoiners and uh, just good people. That's the one thing that, that all my interactions that I've had with people, you can tell you're just dealing with a culture of people that just want to make the world a better place. So if you want to come to a Bitcoiner conference, not a crypto conference or a shitcoiner conference, if you want to come to a Bitcoin conference, you would come to Bitblock Boom. But like I said, don't even mess with it. Don't even think about it. Don't even attempt to buy a ticket if you're a shitcoiner because your money's going to come back and you'll just make us both work. But if you're a Bitcoiner, you need to sign up and come to Austin now. Come to Bitblock Boom. The Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. As I said earlier, I'm your host, Gary Leland, and we're here to help teach you something about Bitcoin, or at least ways, that's the goal when we get through with this show, that you know a little bit more about Bitcoin than you did before the show started. Now, on today's episode, we're going to bring on a good friend of mine. I call him Muzz, so you'll see me refer to him that way, but it's Mike Jarmuzz. Mike, join me on here real quick. How are you doing, my friend? And did I pronounce I'm, your last name right? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it depends on who you ask, right? <laughs> so, yes, it's Jarmuz. Uh, my friends have called me the Muzz Man. Uh, I just call you Muzz. The Muzz Man. <laughs> yeah, or, well, Mike, whatever you want, Gary. Just don't call me late for dinner. So I uh, appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'm fantastic today. Thanks. Well, excellent, excellent. Now, something I ask here, I have a couple questions here we're going to go over that I ask everybody who I bring on the show. And number one, um, how did you find out about Bitcoin or how did you get orange pilled or what is your Bitcoin story? So uh, I was a conspiracy theory guy, right? Uh, gold and silver, everything was melting, going haywire. And uh, on the conspiracy theory websites, people were talking about it, the message boards, and took a glance at Bitcoin and kind of just dismissed it immediately like everyone uh, does that first time. And uh, then somewhere around that, you know, late 2012-ish area, uh, somewhere around the $3 mark, uh, I saw it again on Max Kaiser's show, um, took a interest into it um and started really digging in and uh there was the new york bitcoin center here in uh in new york that was pretty that was the place to be and nick spanos uh, answered the phone personally when i called there and said come on down and we'll we'll sell you some bitcoin and uh get you started so i remember that getting laughed out of that thanksgiving uh table uh in that late 2012 period and uh, everything that happened in 2013. And then uh, I went on to actually have a bar in New York City called Old Man Hustle. We had the second Bitcoin ATM uh, in, in New York City at that time. Uh, I don't wanna say it was homemade, but you know, pretty much homemade uh, type of machine with a bill acceptor and, and the whole thing. And it was really cool. Uh, this was pre-bit license, of course, pre, pre all of that stuff. So, um, we, we were one of the places that actually accepted uh, Bitcoin and had the ATM at the time. And um, I've been in it ever since. 
And that's kind of how I got started was coming, making that transition from the sound money of uh, gold and silver uh, into what makes more sense into a more futuristic, pristine uh, capital. It's Bitcoin. Now, you mentioned something just then. Well, first of all, before I go into that, how come everybody I have on my show has been in the Bitcoin so much longer than me? I'm getting jealous. I have all these people on here I'm so jealous of. Uh, I, I, when I got into it, I felt like I was late. Now I feel like I'm somewhat was early, but everybody else I have on the show is so much earlier, like 2012. But I want to go over something you said there that we've never discussed on this show ever. And that, and I think we should go into that a little bit. Um, that's the New York Bit License, which pretty much changed uh, the course of Bitcoin for the state of New York. I guess you would say. Could could you go over that a little bit since you were there? I guess basically when it, it developed, because you were there, you know, with Spanos at his uh, exchange before that was even in effect. So tell us about the Bit License. Uh, the. The bit license is another uh, onerous government regulation uh, that just makes it difficult to work with Bitcoin in any capacity, uh, nearly any capacity, right? So the ATM state of New York, the boutique, the New York only, it's yes. a New York only deal. Uh, and it's hindered a lot of stuff. It's hindered everything uh, that businesses try and, and do. There's still a lot of companies who can't, uh, uh, I think Swan is temporarily having a little issue here. They all are late to come on, right? Robinhood, Kraken still doesn't operate in New York. A lot of these companies don't do that bit license. So it's just another hurdle that the government uh, puts in place with uh, fines and fees and certain reporting regulations. And really to sum it up, it's a pain in the butt is what it is. Um, there's no benefits to having a bit license in New York City, but it's the typical New York City, uh, the gulags, you know, they got their hand out and that's that's how they get paid. So it's another special, special quality of New York is that bit license. Well, I saw on the news this morning, I think that PayPal now has a bit license and you've been able to buy Bitcoin for a while on PayPal, but you couldn't remove it from PayPal. You couldn't put it in your own wallet or an exchange or anything like that. You'd have to sell it, then move the money and rebuy it if you wanted to do that. But now that they have their bit license, they are allowing people to withdraw Bitcoin off of PayPal. So that's been a hinder, just using that as an example, for people everywhere uh, that were uh, foolish enough to use PayPal as their purchasing place for Bitcoin. So it's it's had more ramifications just on the people in New York, though. Well, you know, being a Bitcoin boomer show, one of the cool things I'm sure you've talked about it a lot is people, you know, think they're buying Bitcoin, right? They've been sitting on PayPal or Robinhood, just like you said, uh, and they think they're buying Bitcoin. Uh, because that's what it says on the, the Robinhood app or the, their PayPal screen. Uh, but they're not. They're buying a, a derivative product, a synthetic uh, product that tracks the price of Bitcoin. And um, if that's what your goal is, then that's fine. But don't by no means think that you are actually buying Bitcoin. Uh, what you'll have is you'll have a paper gain and you'll you'll be stuck with with dollars in the end if that's what you're doing. So that's probably a really good uh, PSA 
uh, you know, thing to know is, is am I buying real Bitcoin with what I'm buying? If I'm on Venmo and they offer crypto and all these offerings and whatever, if I buy Bitcoin there, am I buying it? I have a SoFi credit card. I get 2% uh, cash back and I redeem it in Bitcoin. Um, I do that because I use the credit card, but it is not real Bitcoin. I know it's not real Bitcoin uh, that I'm redeeming every time that I click that button. I have a, a contract for some derivative fake Bitcoin, and the only thing I can do is sell that and withdraw dollars. So that is definitely not Bitcoin uh, by any means. Well, there's really not much difference between that Bitcoin, as you call it, paper Bitcoin, and when you buy a silver ETF, this paper is silver. I mean, there's, from what I understand, I, I don't know numbers and I'm not a silver or gold guy, but there's more silver and in, in gold and silver and gold ETFs than there is silver and gold in existence. I mean, you know, they can, they can never pay everybody all their silver and gold. So is that what we have to look forward to, to uh, Bitcoin, uh, paper Bitcoin, as you call it? I think that all the... ETFs are going to come in time and they're going to be the same type of deals with those metals. Uh, some are going to be triple leverage. Some are going to be spot. Some are going to actually have the, you know, what is GLD claims that they have all these bars somewhere and, you know, it's, it's, it's audited or however that goes, you know, some of them uh, are differently. So I think that that'll happen in time, but I think a lot of these other players are going to eventually uh, get to, let's call it real Bitcoin. Right. Uh, eventually, SoFi will probably sell actual Bitcoin. Right. Robinhood just uh, did the flip. Right. That was the big announcement or one of the big announcements at Bitcoin uh, 22 this year was now that you can actually use Robinhood uh, as a wallet to send and withdraw real Bitcoin. They announced uh, lightning integration there and there i've also heard these stories these rumors or or these news stories of robin hood coming out with a a non-custodial wallet uh which i cannot imagine them doing but hey god bless them if they do that would be incredible you know uh to put the keys into their users hands so i guess we'll see what happens with all that stuff well you know we got everybody's screaming for an etf foreign countries have etfs now grayscale capital they're making a big push to get uh, an ETF, or they have been for quite a while. So somewhere, now we have future ETFs, but not physical ETFs, but I guess we'll have those soon. But we'll come back with the Muzzman in a few minutes and uh, go over some more of that. Stick with us. To the Bitcoin Boomer Show, I'm your host, Gary Leland, a.k.a. The Bitcoin boomer, of course. And today we're talking Bitcoin. We're talking Bitcoin with my friend, the Muzz Man. Muzz, welcome back. And uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that intro there. I want to, as I told you in the first segment, I was going to ask you two questions. I had a couple of questions and I asked you one. Now, the second question I have for you is in your definition or your terms or your way of thinking, what is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin is um, a solution to nearly every worldly problem. Uh, a Bitcoin, it, Bitcoin is a way to peacefully 
um, demonstrate and vote, if you will, uh, give the middle finger, if you will, to everything you don't like uh, about the world. Um, that can be government spending, debt, deficits, uh, that could be um, Federal Reserve, that could be oligarchs who are in charge of you, that could be the permission, uh, the permission state that it really is when you walk up to an ATM or if I go to Venmo somebody uh, $200 or sell them something, you're really asking permission, can you do that? Uh, and the bank at the ATM, uh, they're basically uh, saying, yes, sure, here you are, Gary, here's $40, you can have this today until they say that they can't. So if you want to have the self-sovereignty, uh, Bitcoin is self-sovereignty for uh, your financial independence um, and is really just the most punk rock thing that there is. Bitcoin is punk rock. Uh, that's pretty much, that's a long answer, but uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is definitely everything that you would ever need uh, in a 24 word mnemonic seed. Well, it wasn't that long of an answer compared to some just to get you on the right keel there. But I like the point you make about the having permission to send for me to get that $40. It wasn't that long ago was when did, COVID start and the whole economy went to hell in a handbag. I told my wife to go to the bank and I said, why don't you stop by the bank today and maybe pick up 10 grand and let's just have it. And she went into the bank and asked for $10,000 and they said, uh, oh, you can have three. And my <laughs> wife said, what do you mean? We've got a lot of money in this bank. And they said, yeah, you can come back tomorrow and maybe get another 3,000. So for people who do not understand what you're saying, when you say that you have permission to have this $40, it is permission to have the money. This was my money in the bank. I thought that I could go pick it up whenever I wanted, but this was not the case. They not only didn't give me what I wanted, they told me how much I could have of my money and I could come back tomorrow. And actually, I think they said maybe I would still be able to get $3,000 the next day. And then to top that off, a month later, we went to the bank and our branch was closed with a sign in the window that said we're closed for two weeks. If you need to get your stuff out of your security box, give us a call and we'll make arrangements to get someone down here to let you in. So people need to be aware of what you're talking about here. This isn't uh, crazy talk when you say you have permission. It is actual fact. It's just... I think in the United States, we have not really seen this go into play like we have in other countries, like in Greece, for instance, when they took a portion of everybody's money in the bank to help pay the national debt. I mean, that kind of stuff happens. And our banking system is no different than any other banking system when you really get down to it. Thoughts? Well, you know... First off, I hope you went back and, and got your 10,000. But um, no, okay, so, you know, it's interesting because what can you hold? 
right? What can you hold? What can you have that's yours, right? Because Bitcoin is a bare instrument. It's yours. It's your thing, right? You wanted cash during uh, the COVID crisis, during whatever's going on. Cash is not a bad idea. Maybe physical metals is not a bad idea. All those, those type of things, right? But what can you hold? Now, your bank would have probably uh, let you transfer out uh, that 10000 that day into another bank account right? Uh, somewhere else. You could have maybe paid some bills with it or sent it to your Fidelity account or this account or whatever account. Uh, and that would have been okay, but you're still not holding it, right? It's still digital. Um, it's still digital credits that you don't have actual access or ownership to, right? Uh, as opposed to Bitcoin, which uh, is, is yours, right? Uh, you may not be able to hold it, right? Unless you make a paper wallet, something that uh, any Bitcoin boomer should do for fun and get their technical chops up, uh, which you can hold a paper wallet and you can hold your, your hardware wallet. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's in your possession. It's as if you're holding it, right? Which is why Bitcoin is so dangerous. Uh, because if you lose your wife, if your wife loses her purse at the bar and there's $600 in there, that $600 is gone forever right? With that purse. Adios. And it is the same way uh, with Bitcoin. If you do not have it properly secured, properly backed up and stored, right? Um, then it will go. There is no 1-800-BITCOIN that you can call to say, hey, uh, you know, I got a new cell phone and I didn't back something up and like it's gone. Oh, I sent it to the wrong address. Can we fix this? It's gone, right? Which is why it trumps all these um, Visa and Amex for the chargeback fraud, because there is no there is no chargeback fraud. Uh, there there's no way um, there's no way to reverse that. So um, there was that, and then you mentioned uh, the Balins um, when like Cyprus, uh, which basically was a point in time where everyone that had over I can't remember the number, but Let's just say it's a hundred thousand. Everyone with over a hundred thousand uh, euros uh, in their account took a haircut. The government just woke up one day and said, "Everyone that has over this amount in the bank, we're taking X, and there's nothing you can do about it." And that's happened a number of times in history, right? And everyone always says it'll never happen here, right? Just like they said, negative interest rates would never happen here and all these other kind of things that never happen here. And hopefully it doesn't ever happen here, right? You know, people think Bitcoiners are like praying for the world to melt, you know what I mean? And just burn it down. That That's not me. I don't know about other people, but I don't want the world to end uh, and the whole thing to uh, burn down. They're doing a good job on their own of just slowly burning it down. I don't think they need me rooting them on. Uh, but, you know, it's a definitely a very real thing where if they get in trouble one day, um, they what are they going to take? Are they going to take your, your 401ks? Or are they going to start, you know, trimming everyone's... Uh, 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 retirement accounts or savings accounts. Um, that's just something that they can do. And that, that last resort is always there on the table. I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think, or let me put it this way. I don't know many people that want it all to burn down or the all melt down or whatever we want to call it. But I think 
being in the Bitcoin world as I am, I'm going to put it that way, I know a lot of people who actually understand that it is possible for it all to melt down and they're trying to take precautions um, to cover themselves just in case. You know, you made a statement earlier about losing that $600 in your purse. You can't get it back. And people are used to being taken care of by banks and credit cards. If they do something wrong, they can call a phone number and have it handled for them. Well, you can't do that with bank with uh, Bitcoin because Bitcoin is like being your own bank. And it's a great power, but like Voltaire said, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's the way it is with Bitcoin. You have to be responsible for your own money and for what you do with your money. It's not like there's anyone watching out for you. Big Brother's not there to take care of you. Now, we're going to go over these and maybe mention a few ways to buy Bitcoin or move Bitcoin around in a few minutes when we come back with the Muzzman after this word from our sponsor. Hey, tell everybody about this show. Get them educated. See you in a minute. Hello. Welcome back. We're talking today with the Muzz Man about Bitcoin, early Bitcoiner since 2012, as he told us earlier. Muzz, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those uh, breaks there. Hey, I have a question for you. And, and we cover this a lot, but you know, we get new people watching the show every week. And one thing I know from being around boomers, you know, since I spend a lot of my time with people my own age, is the one question they always ask me is, what is it backed by? You know, I mean, like there's, some, like there's something backing the dollar that I don't know about, obviously, but what, what do you say to someone when they ask you, what is Bitcoin backed by? Okay, well, Bitcoin is backed by a few things. Uh, Bitcoin is backed by the energy that's used uh, and the difficulty um, that is securing the network. Uh, that's not cheap. That is certainly backed by something. Bitcoin is also backed by technology. Um, there's a technical innovation that a lot of people don't uh, think about with Bitcoin. And that is, it was the first time in history that somebody took a packet of information uh, where you're sending a packet of information to another person, okay? And there is no other copy, all right? So you can send an email, you can send a text message, you can send any type of thing that you uh, could send to date, it just didn't exist. Um, and when you're sending a Bitcoin transaction, that is a one-way uh, irreversible uh, packet of information that is transferring and being sent. And um, that is in one of the many innovations uh, that came out of Bitcoin and continues to come out of Bitcoin. So um, is, it, is it subjective? What backs it? The scarcity? Um, what, if I had to pick myself, I would say, uh, I would say that the technology and the energy is what backs Bitcoin. Now, one of the things you just mentioned there in that description was it was the first item that can be sent over the net that was not copyable. 
Um, I, I don't know if I'm phrasing it exactly the same way, but I think that's basically what you said. So I'm going to ask you something I've never even brought up on this show in two seasons, um, and I'm hoping I'm not stumping you here because we don't go over our questions ahead of time. What do you think of NFTs? I mean, basically what I'm seeing is digital art that supposedly can't be copied, but I look at it and just see a JPEG that I feel I can copy by right-clicking on the screen. Uh, I, haven't tried, I haven't tried it, but I would think I could. Um, what are your thoughts on NFTs? Okay, this is a lot of fun, and uh, I'm happy to, um, to talk about this because this is kind of a, a really good, interesting teaching moment about why Bitcoin is the best and will always be the best. Okay, Bitcoin is where all innovation comes from. Bitcoin is the lead. The smartest people in the world are working on Bitcoin. They are not working on some other thing, okay? Some other coin, some other thing, okay? The smartest people in the world are working on Bitcoin. So NFTs, NFTs actually were born on Bitcoin, which is funny because today nobody talks about NFTs with Bitcoin, right? It's all these other chains and all these other platforms, but NFTs were born on Bitcoin with this thing called rare Pepes. These green little frog type of trading cards, they were an absolute joke. I want to say this is around late 2014-ish, uh, maybe early 2015, but let's call it right around there. Um, that these things came onto the scene, right? And you could you could buy them. There was no slick wallet to display them or any anything you know real. But the NFT came out of Bitcoin. Uh, nothing was further developed, right? These other these other uh, scam. Um, other sort of crypto projects really embraced it and made it slick because that's what they live on is this other NFT thing, right? But first and foremost, it came from Bitcoin. It's just, it's such a stupid, uh, it's just such a thing that the Bitcoin developers, this is not something that was really worked on, okay? Um, what do I think of NFTs? What's an NFT? Um, when I was a kid, I was a fan club in, uh, in, in uh, the Weezer fan club, and they sent you uh, a card in the mail, and it had a little passport photo of your, of your face on it, and then they typed it out, and that was my membership to the Weezer fan club uh, when I was a kid, okay? So do would that be a use case for an NFT? Probably. That would kind of be cool. I don't know. If I was uh, 14 years old uh, and my favorite band was like, hey, you want to be in our thing? This is the NFT, you have it on your phone and whatever it is. And that would be kind of a modern day um, evolution of that old thing that we're all familiar with, right? Or another thing uh, would be maybe like um, a ticket to something, right? Uh, a single use event sort of thing. Uh, that would be a good use case for it. Um, but to just crank out, uh, you know, apes and monkeys and these type of things and then sell them for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I mean, that sounds bubblicious uh, to me. That doesn't sound like something that um, that I think is going to last. Uh, I don't think that your house is an NFT. I don't think that um, every memory or picture or thing, or every time you sit down and eat a hamburger, that that is uh, going to be an NFT 
or, or whatever happened. I don't see that happening. And I think a lot of that stuff is kind of nonsense and noise. But what did we have when we were kids, Gary? We had baseball cards. We had sporting cards. Now it's interesting, right? Because, you know, you want to take your kids out and maybe there are still these physical cards, which to me, the physical card is much more fun. But maybe that's not appealing. Maybe the physical card accompanies some other digital uh, NFT sort of card for your favorite athlete or other things, right? That's kind of an interesting idea. That's kind of cool, right? Well, I, I think um, I think there's a difference, though, Muzz, because you know, since you were a kid and you had baseball cards, you know that now the value of baseball cards there's one that's bent in half. Uh, that the kid or the kid used it in his bicycle spokes, and that one's worth five cents. You know, a Mickey Mantle card, but you have a Mickey Mantle card that was like in pristine condition. Never, no creases on the corner. Everything's perfect. It's worth $100,000. So there's a difference between the two where all NFTs of the monkey or whatever, and for those who don't know what an NFT is, a non-fungible token is the exact term, they're all going to be pristine. So... Uh, in that aspect, I really don't see it as a, and I'm getting to the value of it when I say that. You know, as you said earlier, you see uh, NFTs that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you actually could have a Picasso on one wall that costs the same amount as a picture on a screen on the TV that you got to have on the wall to display that piece of art, and it costs $100,000. Now, I certainly would rather have a piece of art by maybe the greatest artist of all times for my $100,000 than a digital television hanging on my wall to show a person. I just don't see, I just don't see how they could even come close in value. Gary, (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more. Is that insane? Is that insane to think that there are pictures of monkeys and apes on blockchains that possibly could fail? Right, that, that I wouldn't trust any value or life savings or significant value on. Okay. The, and people are paying for a, you know, these pictures more than some of the, you know, classic artists of all time. You know, you can have a Picasso on your wall, or you can have a monkey ape NFT on your phone. And that is insane. That is insane to think of that that's the world that we're living in. But, you know, we are living in that. As far as physically grading it, like you said, physically grading is never going to happen because they're all going to be pristine, just like you said. Yeah, they're all going to be in mint condition. There's no there's no 10 cent ones. Now, we're going to come back in just a minute and talk about Lightning Ventures, which is another thing Buzz is putting out here. So we'll be right back. And welcome back to the last segment of the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I guess this is technically the next to the last segment. But I'm joined by Muzzman. Muzz, now, one of the things you've done is you've created Lightning Ventures. And if I got this right, this is exclusively a Bitcoin-focused network of investors uh, dedicated to Bitcoin and Lightning projects. Uh, your funding projects, Bitcoin and Lightning projects, and, and people can invest uh, under your leadership. I don't know if I explained that exactly right, but tell me if I did, and tell me about Lightning Ventures, which in all clarity, everybody, I have 
invested in some projects with Muzz through Lightning Ventures. Um, so it's, it's pretty nice when you bring on somebody to invest in that's a company that I know all the developers or something, or I know a lot of people involved. It really kind of makes it a little easier if it's a product you believe in and you know the people involved. But let's go over Lightning Ventures real quick. Okay. Lightning Ventures. All right. Basically, it's a boutique uh, venture company that's just focused on the Bitcoin space, solely Bitcoin, no altcoins, no tokens, no other sort of crypto, Web3, this, that, and the other thing. None of that. Okay. Uh, yes, the emphasis is on Lightning Network uh, because that's where it's going, but really they're all just Bitcoin companies. Okay. So what I like to do is evangelize people's early stage investing period, right? Getting started with investing in early stage technology companies, right? Because that is where the real wealth is made. That is where the big money is made, okay? That is where you could have invested $1,000 in Coinbase, uh, maybe back in 2013, and came out with $4 million on the other side at their IPO. Where else are you going to get a uh, 4,000x return on your money in eight years, okay? That's a $1,000 bet turns into 4 million. That's not accounting for dilution and a couple little things in here, this back of the envelope math, all right? But these are not meme stocks. These are not Wall Street bets people. This is not some sort of altcoin sort of pump and dump sort of thing. These are real companies, real equity, and real opportunities that are usually kept from the majority of the public. So I like to evangelize people to investing in that. I've invested in all sorts of things outside of Bitcoin, but Lightning Ventures, and this is the, the entire focus of it. And we have our minimums as low as $1,000 because you, when you're getting started with angel investing, you need to invest in a bunch of deals, small amounts. You need to learn. The amounts can always go up. You can always invest more in the future. You know, start small. Um, and the last thing I'll say on this is when people get started with angel investing, how they fail is they invest like a hundred grand into two deals and then they both go to zero and they think angel investing is terrible. And that is not the way that I want to do it. Uh, and I, not the way that I try to get people started. It's all about the education. It's learning as much as you can. There's so much to learn in this space, right? This is focused on the Bitcoin. That's the sector, okay, that we're involved with. But angel investing as a whole, early investing as a whole, there's so much to learn in the process. And I think it's the most exciting, most fun thing ever. Not a substitute for buying Bitcoin. You must buy Bitcoin first. You're never going to stop buying Bitcoin. You're always buying Bitcoin. But once you have some Bitcoin, this, I believe, is the best way to complement that HODL position, um, support uh, the, the great founders and teams, and also potentially make life-changing money. Well, I agree. with, And that's I guess I've been using your advice because every time something comes up that I see, uh, on the network that's, uh, especially if it's a company, well, it doesn't matter if it's a company or not. I throw a thousand or two at it. I figured that way I'm covering my bases because you really don't know what is going to be the winner. And I know you that, that you've looked these over, but you only have to pick one winner out of the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, if you pick a winner, you've covered everything. So it's the small play, putting a little bit here, putting a little bit there, putting a little bit here, putting a little bit there, 
versus throwing a whole bunch at one thing. Um, and like I said, to, and maybe I'm in a position that the average person that might be looking at your funds not in the fact that, for instance, uh, with Matt and Start9, yeah, I knew these people real well. You know, and I was one of the first people to buy one of his products, so I knew the product. So that was an easy pick for me. So knowing the people involved with some of these projects makes it a lot easier, I guess, for me than maybe other people would have it. A couple of things on that. So first off, um, besides the entertainment uh, industry, which I had a history in before, I can't think of another uh, business out there where you can have a 90% failure rate and still be wildly profitable. Okay, that is not the goal. The goal is to not just invest in everything. Okay, you want to invest in high quality, okay, with a signal, okay, that has been filtered. All right. And that's what we do. It does not behoove us to roll out garbage. It does not behoove us to take every incoming, everything and just just crank out deal after deal. Okay. Because when these things don't work, we have to reach out to everyone. Everyone's getting an email. Uh, hey, I'm sorry, the XYZ company is winding down. Everyone's being returned 22%, maybe. I'm just making up a number, 22% of their initial, you know, their invested capital. That's coming back to you. You know, this is going to be reflected on your consolidated K1 against all your winners, right? The losses uh, come off of the wins. Okay. And that's not a good look. I don't want to send those emails. I've been on the opposite side of those emails in other investing groups that I'm in many, many times. Okay. Maybe you get an apology letter from the founder. Okay. So everything that we send out, Gary, okay, uh, we've done a lot of work on. We've done a lot of work with the founders, okay, through questionnaires, through screening, okay, through our own due diligence to write our own deal memo, okay, to get it to that point, okay, where we then send it out. So there's a filter system in place there, right? Um, I get people who want to get started in angel investing. And they crank up their deal flow from, you know, maybe a few crowdfunding websites or whatever, and they just start throwing stuff everywhere, you know, so that's the kind of the, the reputation. The thing that I want people, you know, want to know is that when we're sending you something, we, we we're putting in the work. We don't just want to crank them out. So you're doing your due diligence. Hey, Muzz, we've only got a couple of minutes here left. So before we go, I do want people to can you tell people where's best to follow you or find out about uh, Lightning Venture Funds and just I guess your basic information so they can keep up with you sure so uh ltng.ventures is our website okay we're really good at investing in bitcoin companies we are not very good at making websites uh but uh that's uh those are some of the companies that we've invested in uh that little thing there that says syndicate uh if you want to click on that uh you can join our syndicate there and that'll take you to AngelList. You have to get cleared on that platform. Uh, that can take a day or two. But once you're once you're set on that platform, 
um, that click through is not going to work for you there. Uh, but once you're set on the platform, uh, then you'll be in our in our fold once we approve it. Also on the on the site there, it says Node One Fund. That is closed. That's the first fund that we raised. Uh, it looks like we're going to be raising a second fund here soon. So there'll be another fund there. There's also what's really interesting, something on there called a Scout Program, right? And you can su <clears throat> submit deals to us. So when scrolling down there, you'll see uh, submit a deal. And this is a way for someone to get started with venture capital, get started with Bitcoin investing and get to know us if they know a, a Bitcoin company. You know, maybe they met a founder or they know a founder or you, Gary, if you know a founder who's raising money, who's an awesome Bitcoin company and you you submit them to us and we run that deal there, um, we we will give you a percentage on that deal. Right. And it's the it's such a lucrative uh, affiliate program that we're trying to develop to get people who are interested in Bitcoin and scouting and uh, to join us. Well, Mike, I do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show um, and uh, filling my ears and mind with new information and our viewers. Um, good luck on Lightning Ventures. I'll still be uh, investing with your uh, network as much as possible. And just thanks, Mike, for coming on. I'll see you in August. Bitblock boom, baby. You better be there, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. Be right back. And welcome back to the final segment of the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. I'll take it from here and ride you out, I guess. But I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Muzz, finding out about Lightning Ventures Network, talking about uh, Bitcoin and from the aspect of someone who got into it in 2012. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. And as I said, I hope you learned a little bit about Bitcoin. I don't have any Bitcoin to sell you just have information to give you. I do want to make sure you know about a conference I host called BitBlock Boom. Now, BitBlock Boom is a conference, a Bitcoin-only conference I'm hosting for my fifth year in Austin, Texas. And it's going to be a sellout again for the fifth year. So go to bitblockboom.com and check out the conference. I think if you come, I know you'll enjoy it. Also, if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or in Texas in general, Go to Bitblock Barbecue. I host a once a month meetup here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we eat barbecue, talk about Bitcoin. Great, perfect combination. So check out Bitblock Barbecue at bitblockbarbecue.com. And I hope we see you at a future event. Do wanna make sure you know to follow me on Twitter. I'm Gary Leland on Twitter. I'm Gary Leland most everywhere. So if you wanna follow me, you go to that social media site, Type in Gary Leland, you're probably going to find me. Now, remember, I am here to help you, to help you learn about Bitcoin. If you do have any questions about Bitcoin by any chance, something you'd like to know the answer to, something you'd like me to ask a guest on a future show, please email any questions you may have to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com, and I will try to get those questions answered on a future episode. Bitcoin is a growing technology. Bitcoin is going to take over the world. Bitcoin is going to change everything. Are Those are the things that I personally believe. 
So I hope I've given you some information to help you believe these things or realize this is coming. Because one day, Bitcoin is going to take off. And if you're going now, gosh, I wish I'd gotten earlier. I missed it. Well, you're really going to say that when it hits 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 and up. So maybe you might want to think about buying a little bit of Bitcoin just in case I'm right. But don't buy so much that if I'm wrong, it'll affect you in any way. Until next week's show, this will be the end. But hey, have a good time and thanks for joining me. Adios, amigos. See you later.